0: Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Welcome back to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm hunkered down at the ranch for this COVID virus (laughs) shutdown. I did a quick trip down to the city yesterday and cut down an old fruit tree in my yard that we planted when we first moved into the house years and years and years ago. It was a great peach tree. It gave wonderful, sweet fruit. And we harvested the fruit off that tree for, wow, probably 35, 40 years. And we've planted two new ones in its place. But the old one, the original one that we planted years ago and that bared such great fruit died. And we cut it down yesterday. My daughters came over. They said, hey, we'll come over if you'll give us a mask. And I said, Done. So they came over and they put on an N95 mask, and I had an N95 mask on. My wife did too. We wore gloves. We did not want to cross-contaminate each other. My daughters both, uh, well, one of them works with children, and the other one works in the medical industry, so I I consider my daughters possibly toxic. So we, uh, we took precautions and worked together. It was great to see them. We've been up here for probably about two weeks, hunkered down, and I'm using this opportunity to reach out to people that I've wanted to interview or want to re-interview for the podcast. I'm, I'm getting some podcast episodes in the can, so to speak. So if you have anybody you want me to interview, this is a great time to reach out to me, franz one medsailor.com. And of course, the website Is medsailor.com, and you can always use the contact form at the website to reach out to me as well. The reality is, whether I'm at the office in the city or up here in my office at the ranch, I'm still working because my job does not require that I work around other people. As long as I have a phone and internet access, I'm in business. I've been watching the stock market, I have a lot of cash on the sidelines. I dipped my toe into the market last week with a small purchase of of a company. I'm not going to give you the name of the company. And promptly, it continued to drop where I lost <laughs> immediately 30% of my investment uh, by the market. I, st- I still consider it a bargain basement price, but the market is getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And I decided, okay, I'm just going to pull back and wait. I don't think... I'm going to probably go back into the market and tell the reality of this COVID virus uh, rears its ugly head here in America. I don't see people taking it that seriously. When I drove down to Salt Lake, people were walking around. There were lots of groups of people together. Uh, it's, it's going to be a lot worse than most people think it is if you look at Italy as a very good gauge of what could happen in America. So I think there's going to be a lot more bad news. Fortunately for me, I was pretty much ahead of the game. There's a podcast I listened to called Macro Voices. And before I went on my vacation to New Zealand, I listened to one of their episodes where they outlined how bad this pandemic could be. And with that information, I went ahead and we, we stocked up on food for the house and we stocked up on N95 masks. In fact, I'd ordered N95 masks prior to that already. And so we had some N95 masks that were delivered to us. And so we're, we're we're in pretty good shape. And we will just ride it out. I do not think that this is going to be over in time for me to go sailing this summer. So this summer may be a a bust as far as sailing goes. We will see, but... My scheduled flight is in the middle of May, and it does not look like this is going to be over by the middle of May. We will see. So again, if you have any suggestions on people that you would like me to interview, or if you have some stories yourself, please write me, franz1 at medsailor.com, and I have the time to talk to people that are interesting and that our listeners would enjoy hearing from. Every now and then I go into iTunes and I look at the podcast, Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond, and I look for reviews, and lo and behold, there was another review that was written on February 7th, and this came from K999 Dan, and Dan wrote, I've been listening to this podcast for a couple of years now and have played many of the episodes multiple times as Franz is not only entertaining, but along with his nautical guests, they have a wealth of knowledge for the cruising med sailor. Whether you're looking for a quiet, sheltered anchorage in Italy, a place to perform boat jobs or provisioning in Al Miramar, Spain, or looking to buy your next boat or charter in Croatia, this podcast has it all. After several years of sailing in the Pacific Northwest of the USA, I'm returning to my European home to complete the purchase of my next boat and plan to sail it back to the United States later this year. I've been plotting the courses along with Franz when he follows his guests with Google Earth as they describe the many different places they have visited. I've especially liked listening to the guests such as Jack Andrews, Andrew Vick, and of course Jackson and Xanthi from the YouTube channel Sailing Avalon. Once again, thank you for being entertaining and a wealth of valuable knowledge. I hope to get to share a beverage with you or one of your guests or maybe a fellow listener during my travels this year and spin a nautical yarn or two. Best wishes and fair winds, Daniel. Daniel, write me an email directly, franz1 at medsailor.com, and we'll try to hook up somewhere along the way. And thank you for writing that review. It means a lot to me. It really does. You you would be surprised how much uh, the reviews mean to me. So thanks a lot. All right, before we get on to this interview with Bill and Nicole Glennon, I need to thank my sponsor, Sailrite. By the way, Bill and Nicole Glennon have been trying to come on the podcast since, I think my first email from them was back in November. So this is sometimes how hard it is to schedule an interview. We've been going back and forth on emails over and over and over again until we finally found a time, and it really took the uh, corona. COVID-19 virus, or the China China flu virus, to uh, give us enough time to get together. So we're going to be talking to Bill and Nicole Glennon after I thank my sponsor, Sailrite. Looking for a sewing machine that's both portable and powerful? Look no further than the legendary Sailrite Ultrafeed LSZ-1. Take it to the marina, store it on your boat. The Ultrafeed goes where you go. This high-performing heavy-duty machine sews both in zigzag and straight stitch. The Ultrafeed can handle your toughest jobs with absolutely zero loss of power or skipped stitches. It breezes through up to 10 layers of sunbrella canvas and 8 layers of Dacron sailcloth. With the most dependable all-metal internal components, the Ultrafeed is a piece of well-engineered machinery that's built to last. Sailrite has been building the Ultrafeed for over 20 years. This tried-and-true powerhouse machine comes with a five-year limited warranty and the best customer service in the industry. The machines are assembled, fine-tuned, and tested at Sailrite's manufacturing facility by a team of highly trained technicians. Every machine is calibrated and tested before it's shipped to guarantee both smooth operation and machine quality. Take your sewing skills to the next level with the Sailrite Ultrafeed LSZ-1 sewing machine. I'm on Skype with Bill and Nicole Glennon. We talked a long time ago. I'd totally forgotten about the conversation. And uh, they'd written, uh, they'd called me up and asked me about chartering. And we talked, and they did a charter trip in August of 2019 out of Paros, and they're going to give us a report on that charter trip. I have Google Earth open. And Nicole and Bill, why don't you introduce yourselves and tell us about your sailing experience and a little bit about yourselves.
1: Um, so I was not a sailor at all until I met Bill. Um, and really, my sailing experience has just been limited to the charters that we've done in the last couple of years down in the BVI. Um now in greece and uh saint martin but i have certified with the uh, AS, 103
2: asa 103, and 103 yeah.
1: Yeah. ASA, yeah so i'm still learning a lot
2: <laughs> all right bill what about you and so i grew up sailing um on the east coast uh probably since the age of 10 at little day camps and uh just various experiences throughout, uh, my life, uh, trips out to Bermuda and up to Newfoundland and down to the Caribbean and what have you, and, uh, worked on Schooner Roseway many years ago in 1990 and in the Caribbean islands and actually, uh, all the way up to Maine and Camden. Um, but, uh, so, and then moved to the mountains many years back in the nineties and then, um, met Nicole and, she wanted to know what this bear boating stuff was about, and, and my love for sailing has uh, come back. Um, and we've done a few trips, and actually, it was the BVI trip, the first one that we did, that sparked going to Greece. And I had never been there before, and i had never sailed those waters, obviously. And um, it was, uh, we planned the trip and actually started and booked it um, before I'd done my homework, um, which is what led us to uh, contacting you to find out more about the area because, uh, Nicole had found out that through your podcast that you have, uh, quite a lot of experience there.
1: Okay. And you talked about the Maltimis and I thought, well, we better talk to frogs. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Oops. August sounded great. <laughs> yeah.
2: The weather should be great. The water <laughs> should be warm. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, Bill, now tell us a little bit more about your background. Where did you grow up?
2: Uh, I grew up in Massachusetts um, and spent like summers sailing around Cape Cod um, and then had various friends that sailed along these coasts and um, so I just spent a lot of time crewing on their boats um, throughout my teens and uh, 20s until I moved out to Colorado um, where there's not a big ocean to sail on and so I I uh, kind of left the ocean for a while. Um, but you
1: did the Roseway when you were
2: how old? Uh, I did the Roseway actually in my, early, in my early 20s, around 22 or so. Okay, I
0: don't know. Uh, under- what is the Roseway? Because I'm not familiar with that.
2: Oh, sorry. The Roseway is a Grand Bank schooner, uh, part of a wind jamming fleet that used to sail out of Camden, Maine. There were uh, many different boats, um, and the Roseway just happened to be one of them, and the owner at the time that I picked up the boat had... Uh, had a business plan to not just run it in the summertime in Maine, um, but to run it as a um, yeah, like a charter. And what he the hold was converted into um, a bunch of little cabins that so people could come and spend a week on the boat and be part of the crew if they wanted to, or just enjoy sailing. Um, and again, where I picked it up was uh, in, the, in the winter in Saint Thomas and so we would sail around the US and British Virgin Islands uh, on these one week long cruises after the weather warmed up uh, the boat moved or transited back up to Camden Maine and we would say I the same thing there uh, we would do the one week long tours and uh, so it was like a bareboat, boat, not a bareboat boat charter. And it's, but
1: it's still actually sailing the Roseway. It's based in Boston now, but if you Google the Roseway, they do a lot of um, educational sailings with them still. So it's kind of an interesting traditional schooner.
2: Yeah, it, it was built in 1925, too, and it's been kept alive this whole time, which is really kind of cool. That's
0: really great. So you were part of the crew. How big was the crew then?
2: Uh, the crew was a total of five. There were two stewards, um, who I guess were the galley girls. And then there was a first mate and two deckhands and I was one of the deckhands.
0: Okay. So you've actually had quite a bit of sailing experience in.
2: On a variety of sizes of boats. Yeah. I used to, um, I went to school at Salem state for a year and was on their sailing team and did, uh, dinghy sails or dinghy raced four twenties and four seventies and etchels and ensigns. And, um, so, and
1: then you were on the island packet for
2: a number of years. Yeah, and then a, a good friend of mine uh, had an island packet, and every year would sail from uh, yeah the Chesapeake Bay to Bermuda or up to Newport. Um he often liked to go up to the Badora Lakes uh, north of uh, Nova Scotia and even up to Newfoundland. Oh, the and yeah, I helped him sail the boat back one time from St. Lucia up to the British Virgin Islands. Uh, so a fair amount of, even though I had some time in the mountains, a fair amount of time was also spent um, on vacations sailing. Okay. Well, what took you to the mountains? Um, <laughs> that's a hard one to answer. Uh, I, I, maybe just a change. I think, because uh, I was born and raised in that area, um, I thought of Colorado as the playground of of the country, um, with all the hiking and biking and climbing and skiing that uh, you could do. Um, so I think I wanted to come give that a try, and I moved out here and um, initially enjoyed the the cool temperatures, um, or it's not the cooler temperatures, but really more the drier air and just the beauty of the mountains. Um, and they're still quite beautiful and, and dramatic and, and impressive. Uh, But there's also something really impressive about uh, the ocean. And
1: And now you're getting older, so the cold.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't want to necessarily talk about that. But, yes, as I get older and
1: we like the warmer temperatures. Yeah,
2: (laughs) uh, maybe it's not enough insulation or not enough metabolism (laughs) to generate the heat. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, the winters are starting to get a little rougher than (laughs) they were. They were 10 years ago. Now, where now we're in Colorado? Where in Colorado are you? Uh, we're just north of Denver. Uh, south of Fort
1: Collins. little right south in town of Fort Collins. Berthed, okay, um, okay. In the Front Range. My sister lives
2: yeah.
0: somewhere around Fort Collins area, somewhere up there. Isn't Fort Collins where the university
2: is?
1: Yeah, yeah, Colorado State Colorado is up State. there.
2: Yeah, Colorado State University is in Fort Collins, and then CU. Is Boulder, in Boulder. Yeah. Okay,
0: that's right, Boulder. Okay, that's a party city. That's a party university, isn't it?
2: As I recall. <laughs> it is. Yes, I've, I've heard they've made top 10 in some magazine at some point in time in the past. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: All right. So how long have you been living in Colorado now? So are you middle-aged now? Have you gone from being a youngster
1: <laughs> to middle-aged?
2: Yeah, I like different... we're,
1: we're over middle-aged.
2: No, no. We're, we're like,
1: middle-aged?
2: Uh, yes, we're middle-aged. I
1: don't know. We're...
2: We're both in our fifties now. Yeah. Okay. Early fifties. Yeah. Called <laughs> um, so I moved out here in 91 and, um, and then had, got a degree here in Colorado. Then I moved to Montana, got a degree there, uh, moved to Michigan and started my career there. Um, had a 26 foot Pearson sailboat that I sailed for three uh, summers on Lake Michigan now where, multiple trips.
0: where in Michigan were you? Where did you keep your boat
2: at then? Uh, I kept the boat in Muskegon. Okay, which Muskegon, is west yeah, west of Grand Rapids. Right. Okay. Um, a few solo trips across the lake to Wisconsin and back, and uh, ran into a couple times. Ran into quite some weather, um, and it was interesting to be solo on a boat and out of sight land on a lake. Um, but uh you know that that water there is just as real as as the oceans are, as evidenced by all the the uh big ships that have gone down yeah on like you know throughout history
0: yeah, okay, all right, so, so why did you decide uh to choose the uh Aegeans as a as a place to go sailing instead of the Ionians when you decided to go do a charter <laughs> in Greece? Tell me your thought process.
1: We had friends um, join us on our first bear boat in the BBI and a couple of them always dreamed of Greece and had this, you know, vision of the white uh, buildings and blue roofs and Santorini, of course, being the one that everybody seems to know about. And so when we talked about planning a trip like that, really Santorini kept coming up and I would say, well, we might not get to Santorini, but the Caclades is close. And again, not having really researched wind conditions, um, we thought, well, if we sail out of Paros, they'll get the feel of the Caclades anyway. In hindsight, we probably should have done the Ionian, but we had already locked ourselves in and, you know, felt like it was going to be a great trip because of the proximity. Uh, to some of the islands from Paros, um, before we came to the conclusion that, oops, it's going to be pretty windy, and uh, <laughs> um, so that's kind of where our our head was at. <laughs> okay. We had dreams of Santorini. We never got there, but but they got a feel for, you know, that whole Cikladi's look.
0: Okay, so let's talk about your your route. And first of all, who did you decide to charter with?
1: So we went with a charter company um, that we actually are not allowed to name because we did have a claim. Um, so it rhymes with team, uh, Yacht Charters. <laughs> um, and uh, we, we only had a small claim, not an issue, and it really wasn't their fault as much as it was um, the charter. I guess they work with a third party broker out of Paros Harbor called Afros yacht charters. Um, and there were just some minor issues with the boat.
2: Well, the biggest thing was just the, the water maker didn't work on the boat and they, you know, it was listed as it, it did. Mm. Um, and as a result, they, uh, refunded us some money because it was non-functioning.
1: Yeah. That was the biggest item. We had oh, other okay. complaints, but that was the biggest item.
2: Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, to me, it was not a big, that big of a deal, um, but apparently, yeah, they just, they didn't want us to mention, you
1: know, I, we signed a non, a non-disclosure. <laughs> okay.
0: okay.
2: The, <laughs> we're getting into legal stuff, that I'm like, oh,
0: we I don't, don't like. need to go there then. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Now, now did you, what kind of boat was it? You can at least describe the boat then.
1: Yeah, it was a Bali 4.5 catamaran.
0: Oh, okay. Okay.
1: It was a big one.
0: All right. And how many of you were there on the boat then altogether?
1: There were eight total, four, four couples. couples.
0: And who was the captain? Uh, Bill. I was. Okay, so you were the one taking responsibility then.
2: Y- yes. Yeah. yeah. the The friends that came with us, uh, none of them are sailors. Um, and you, in growing with this sailing concept or having it kind of come full circle back around into my life. Um, you know, I've never sailed in anywhere other than the the States and a little bit in Canada or Bermuda or I guess the Caribbean islands, but beyond that, (laughs) um, you know, I'd never done anything in Europe and they have different rules over there. And once we learned the rules, um, part of it was that you have to have certain certifications. Um, you have to have more than one person with some certifications, which is part of the reason why Nicole got her ASA 103. Um, and so we were the only two that we went. were the only two really yeah that that went, and you know, I felt like we were ultimately the ones responsible for the comfort of the people the friends that were coming with us um, and we had talked about just by looking at Google Earth, we had talked about, oh, we could sail here, we could sail there and when we started looking at the distances that we had to <laughs> sail, um, that's when it came back to uh, Nicole thought, well, I bet Vronsky some yeah. some good information so. Um, that's when we contacted you, and after talking with you, we came up with a different itinerary. Um, yeah, we
1: had your plan A was um, to go across to uh, I don't want to jump ahead, but we no, first Cipnos, Cipnos Cipnos and, Cipnos.
2: and if we could make it to Kithnos, the, the you know, you had given us more information about the Maltimi. Although I started doing my homework and realized that this is a, uh, this is a significant effect yeah. in the area, you know, for over a few months of time from June to late September. Mm-hmm. So that was right in the middle of when we'd be there. So and then talking to you and it made sense, you said, well, head west because you'd be on a beam reach heading over to Sipnos," And that made sense to us. And then we could, you know, wind dependent we could work our way north and then if we got north and the metal team is really kicked up and we had to get the boat back so well at least now we're on a broad reach or know, slash run yeah heading back towards Paros, and that was logical and made complete sense to me and as a sailor you know the distances aren't that bad i think it's 20 to 25 nautical miles from paris over syphnos and then it might have been 10 to 12 nautical miles north to seraphos and then Kithnos. And so that seemed reasonable to me Um, at the time when you're looking at a Google map and trying to decide, you know, what's the route you want to take with these people. But the longer Nicole and I thought about it, these friends of ours, they really don't care about anything more than the sailing (laughs) part. Really, yeah. Their thing isn't
1: care about the sailing. Like,
2: yeah, let's go (laughs) sail for five hours because we love sailing. That's not their (laughs) thing. So then we started having to factor in what they want, which is the they want the sun, the beach, and the water to snorkel and swim and do their their things in and so I started really scratching my head thinking like, "Wow, boy, you know we're gonna have to get lucky with these winds to make that itinerary comfortable comfortable mm-hmm. for everyone and allow everyone to get uh, the things that they they wanted and so uh, you know after you know noodling with it for quite a bit of time, Nicole came to me one day and said,
1: How about the small caclades? They seem to be a little closer. (laughs) So that's what we ended up doing. Um, And we got really lucky uh, because when we got back at the end of our charter and talked to a few of the other folks bringing their charter boats in, and they did the Sifnos-Seraphose kind of route, they struggled. They had a really hard uh, week of sailing with 35 plus knot winds.
2: Right. And the lucky that Nicole talking about is our trip went off very well. Yeah. We had phenomenal experiences with where we ended up going and we had a very loose agenda, just kind of thinking, oh, well, if we point here, you know, we'll stay out of the Melitimis and we'll even stay out of the catabatics if that ever becomes an issue. Um so, yeah, when we got back, we've you know, people who were sailing the exact same week we were uh, experienced 30 to the 35 knot winds every day. Um, for every bit of their sailing, they were reefed down the entire time. And, you know, they said it wasn't bad. It was just, you know, in anchorages, you really have to make sure your anchor is set. And, you know, there, there's just other things you have to other be concerns. concerned about. Yeah. Right? And,
1: but those were mostly good sailors. Like. They didn't have the tourists that we had on our boat. <laughs> right. Our tourists were wanting to you know, sit on the beach, have a cocktail, go snorkeling, and not worry about whether we were watching the anchor. So we did. We went down from... Uh, we might as well just tell you how we got there. When we left Paros, um, we left as early as possible because we we heard that the Maltinis would pick up uh, during the day. So we were really trying to get as much sail done in the first part of the day. Um, so we left Paros at like 6.30 in the morning, I want to say. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. we had checked out the night before.
0: Now, uh, okay, let's start out. Where in Paros did you pick the boat up? Paros Harbor? Yes. Okay, that yep. little harbor right in Paros then. Yep. Yes, okay. yep,
2: yep. All right. Yeah, we picked up the boat there, and we, you know, we got there by ferry, Midday, the day before, the day before, went up to the yacht charter area and actually went through and did all the paperwork. Um, but they said we were not allowed to get on the boat till five, and that just happens to do with the
1: charter company. the charter
2: company's rules. So, which we were fine with, and we explored the town a little bit, and then got on the boat, and we're actually able to get the checkout done, you know, before. Yeah, yeah, before seven or eight at night.
0: Okay, I just want to stop just a second and clarify something that I want my listeners to know. Now, when you said that some two people had to have some sort of sailing experience, that is the charter company's requirements, not the company, right. not not this, not greece's requirements so right because when i check in they s- just make sure that i have a license they don't really care yeah. about anybody else so
1: yeah when you charter a co- uh, from a company they will tell you what their requirements are and okay. in the med from what i've seen most charter companies require some some form of certification for bare boat cruising so right. asa 104 would be the equivalent here in this country and i don't remember what it is in in britain or Europe, but yeah, they require that. And then the competent crew has to have a minimum of, um, one Oh
2: three. One Oh three. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. So that's a good clarification because that's, yeah. That's that, a,
2: yeah. Th- and thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. I did. Sorry. I didn't mean to indicate that Europe, but, um, but we've charted with that same charter company. I don't believe they
1: in the Caribbean, in the, the Caribbean,
2: Caribbean, they require that. Okay. It was just in Europe and maybe just because in the Med. Things are different. Well, they, they exist. Things like that.
0: They do require a license in Europe. So that's yeah. that's. But uh, the second person I've never heard about until you just talked about it, and that would be a that makes sense for the charter company. So all yeah. right, didn't mean to sure. interrupt yeah. you, but I just wanted to clarify that. So
2: no, no, appreciate that um, for sure. So, anyways, long and short is we were able to get on the boat the day before. Um, so we spent the night on the boat, which then allowed us at early in the morning, hope hoping to beat. Uh, the Meltimi winds, to get out early, which we did. Mm-hmm. And we um, headed out towards uh, that little narrow channel between anti-paros. Paros and Antiparos
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, to the west. Mm-hmm. And in doing my homework, the guidebooks that uh, we have, and the biggest one we use is the Greek Waters Pilot mm-hmm. by Rod and Lucinda Kikio. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, okay. that's the one I Michael. use. Uh-huh.
2: Right. yeah. When I read their description of that channel, they said it was as shallow as two meters, which six feet, which in a catamaran should be no problem. But they also said if the Meltimis are blowing, there's plenty of underwater hazards. Um, And so I ended up putting in the GPS two points that they had actually given in the book and then just drew a straight line between them and took the boat there and went very slow, had people on the bow, uh, just kind of keeping an eye out. Um, and everything went really well. And I don't think we got, I don't think I ever saw anything less than three meters. So that channel is, uh, is you know, relatively easy to navigate. Um, you know, I just kind of stay in the middle of it as best as you can. Yeah, I, and we
1: had low wind at that point, like five to ten knots. It was really quite calm. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I did it motoring. I didn't have sails up. Um, and yeah, winds actually were in our favor. The weather was really nice. It, was a, it started off as a really, really nice day. Um, and actually ended as a really nice day as well. Um, it was, turned out to be a great sail. Mm-hmm. Once we got through that challenge of the channel, which again, wasn't that much of a challenge. Then our plan was to try and, um, head over towards Naxos, Naxos yeah. the Southern end of it. Um, and we had just some loose, like I said, loose itinerary stuff to, to head towards. The wind with, yeah, with the brief stop in Aliki, um, just Nick, we had a couple more bottles of rum we wanted to yeah, pick up. Yeah, we, had to, pick,
1: we <laughs> uh, had to pick up some vital provisioning.
2: Exactly. So uh, hold on,
0: Aliki. Where's Aliki? I'm looking for that on this map. That's here. the
1: south coast of Paros.
2: That southwest coast. Um, there's a little bay there. It's south of the airport. If you see that.
0: Okay, I've never been into that little bay then. Okay. Yeah, I see it. Yeah,
2: it's actually a cute little bay, and it's it's a reasonable stop. Um, it's relatively safe from the male teamies, Um, so that was always on our radar of, of a of an option. And it was kind of nice to go in and see it um, and just kind of get a sense of it to think, okay, if the winds are blowing, what you know, what would we do? And it was it was pretty safe. After doing a, a brief provision, though, we did continue to head off uh, east from there towards uh, the southern end of Naxos. So I guess it's really uh, more of a southeast. Mm-hmm. And there's that channel between Paros and Naxos, and that's where you know I think swell size we might have six to eight feet maybe, um, and it was a it was a perfect beam reach uh, over there. We did get winds of 20 to 27 knots um, with the reef in the main and the, and you know the head sail. I think we left out completely, but it was a self-tacking headsail, so you know it didn't go past the mast, so it wasn't that big to begin with um it was a beautiful sail across um we saw dolphins it was, it was just really really pretty um and uh i don't know it was a five-hour sail yeah
1: total we got there leaving. at like mid-afternoon so with a stop yeah it was about a five-hour sail day
2: yeah about 20 25 knots distance i think not of or nautical miles. excuse or not um and we ended up uh just hitting or targeting a little town. Actually, I don't even know if you can call it a town.
1: That's a port.
2: Kalantos. Do you see where that is?
0: Okay. Is that right on the tip of the, uh, of Naxos? Oh, there it is. No. Kalantos. K-I-L-A-N-T-O-S. Kalantos. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Kalantos. Yes. Right around the corner from heading a little bit around the tip and up a little bit to the
2: east. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And so when you zoom in on it on Google Earth, you'll, it looks pretty barren. Mm-hmm. And when we started coming into it, um, it also continued to look quite Fair. bare. <laughs> there was one other boat at anchor and that was it. And we knew there was a Taverna um, from one of the guidebooks up on the hill. Uh, as you're entering the bay, you're kind of in it. And you're As you're looking at the beach, actually, it would be up to your right on a hill. And I remember glancing up there and thinking like, oh boy, <laughs> I don't know, you know, what kind of, if anything, they would be able to provide for us from a dinner standpoint or you know, even a couple of drinks afterwards. But at the same time, new to the area and thought, well, you know, let's just kind of see what it's all about. It turned out to be a phenomenal experience. It
1: ended up being a, the best, yeah, best but, place ever.
2: <laughs> but the first thing we did is because my plan was to anchor in there. But we went over. There's a dock. If you look on the right side of that bay.
0: Yeah, yeah I'm zoomed in on that right now. Is that deep enough to tie up to the side? Because I, the, when, in Google Earth, it just looks like small fishing
2: boats tied up in there. Right. And that's kind of so I very slowly and cautiously went into it, and it was plenty deep enough. And I think it was, was it 15 euros yeah, for, it was, to tie up for the night? Yeah. And we, we got had shore power. We had shore power. No, it was 30. And if we had wanted water, we could have gotten that as well. Um, so it was actually perfect because there was one other boat there, and there was us. And actually, I take that back. There was a trimaran tied up to the dock as well yeah. um, when we were there.
0: So, so when uh, you say de- depth, I have to. Straighten you out. How deep? Was it at least a couple meters deep as you pulled in there? Or was it just deep oh, enough yeah. for a catamaran? Okay. No, uh,
2: I would say, yes, you could, I would say a solid three to four meters. Okay. Okay. Um, in fact, someone lost a shirt overboard and they felt like they went, you know, well below 20 feet to get it. To okay. get their shirt. You I see, see that it. It. it
0: looks like there's <laughs> a, a haul out facility there too. It looks like there's a slip for a, a travel yes. lift to go out there.
2: Yeah. It, yeah, I see what you're looking at, and I agree. I don't recall, because, you know, the the lift trawler wasn't there. No, I don't see the travel
0: uh, lift. I just see the place for it to work, so,
2: yeah. Right, exactly, yep. Um, yeah, so, no, I mean, that, it's actually, to me, it's like a hidden secret. Yeah, hmm. it was a really nice place. We had, again, the the, the beach is very nice. The, you know, you could tie up to the doctor next to nothing. And this family-owned Traverna up on the hill was... Turned out to be one of the greatest experiences we had while we were there. Yeah. You know, we showed up and asked them. Th- it was a very nice facility. Um, the daughter, it was the, a mom and dad and the daughter. The daughter spoke the best English. And, she, you know, she said, we asked, could you feed eight people? And she's like, oh, of course. What would you like? And we said, what do you have? And she just randomly named off these things. And we said.
1: Everything.
2: Sounds good. Bring, it, bring, bring <laughs> one of each. <laughs> and so the family was tickled pink for us to be there.
1: Yeah, it was a really um, good experience.
2: It was yeah, just a great, 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 great experience, and it was very inexpensive.
1: Yeah, um, as Greece is. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But the food was just phenomenal. I mean, truly phenomenal.
1: Yeah, we went back up there for breakfast actually, and we don't normally do breakfast on the on land. We just grab something on the boat, but we were so amazed by the experience, we wanted to go back and have it again.
2: Yeah, and it was it was just it was really almost pushing magical sorry to be so dramatic but yeah it was it was really really cool and and they had their own homemade wine yeah and one of our one of our crewmates said hey can I take some wine to go and they said sure and they took an empty water bottle and they filled it up because they didn't have bottles of it you know they just however they had it and uh, so we took a, a old water bottle full of their wine and enjoyed it on the trip and other locations so but yeah great great experience
0: all right, now I've never actually taken my boat up to that bay, but I did uh, rent a scooter and and go down there one time. Oh no, you know what? I take it back. I've never been to that bay. I'll just mm-hmm. so that's some place I need to look at as possibly. Going I think down it's to. kind
1: of remote for most tourists. We did see a lot of locals at that beach um, that had driven there with their families and kids, but right. it was very quiet. It was a quiet beach. And yeah. it was really lovely.
2: If you're looking for nightlife that's not the place yeah. to go, there's
1: nothing else there.
2: But if you're looking for just a kind of beautiful Greek little small bay that only the locals seem to know about, it was well, like I said, it looks fantastic.
0: Super, it looks super protected and then if you get into the actual harbor itself, you're protected all around.
2: So, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah that was it kind of helped alleviate some of my fears cuz you know, kind of that first day was over, the big you know, traverse across the, (laughs) and you know, for Nicole and I, we don't mind big swells. We don't mind heavy winds and all that. We know how to manage boats. It was just our friends. We were most concerned about them. And again, we kind of got past that. Now we're in the area of of just bouncing around with in between all the little clotties. And so we were excited about that. So after breakfast that next day, we, we got underway and it was a short day like the next few days were. And we went over to,
1: we went to uh, Cufenisia, and that was actually uh, Ano Cufenisia. Yeah, so there's the two one of them. That's further northwest. northwest northeast. Northeast. Sorry. Yeah.
0: So which one did you go to? The one of the the north one or the middle one? The the south
2: one. The
1: thing? north one.
2: Okay. The Ano, if if it's on your should it uh, should be Ano Cufenisia.
1: Yeah, there's Ano and Cato, and we went to Ano. Okay. Hufanici.
2: Okay. And there's a little strait in between the two of them, right? That we, uh-huh. we pass through.
0: Mm-hmm. So right you went to that, that little was. harbor town on the south, then, is that right? Yes. Yes.
1: Okay. is where we ended up going into the marina that night.
0: So you that went night, right right into So the
2: that day, for okay. something to do with our crew, um, they wanted to again snorkel and and swim and see the beach and all that. What's interesting is the wind when we left in the morning was not really that bad and it actually really wasn't even that bad as uh, until we got to, uh, you know, uh, because then you could, then the Meltimis were blowing at a solid 20 to 25 at that time. We went around to the east side. You'll see this, um, eye of the devil. And then what's the name of the bay? Um,
1: well it's Gala beach or Pori beach that, Area the big, that um, big the uh,
0: C-shaped sky. bay there, the,
2: the one on yeah. the, Yeah. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. We went in there, we anchored, we let people swim and, and snorkel and do the things they wanted to do. Um, I was hoping people could go to the Eye of the Devil. Um, if you zoom in on it, it seems like it's this little um, water hole that would be fun to snorkel in and out and about. But the, the, it was pretty rough there when we were there because um, there's not, not a lot of protection if you look north of there. And so, you know, there were significant swells coming down. You were protected if you were in that bay. But obviously trying to swim in that, the you know, the water was moving around a bunch. So pe- we, people just stayed local and we swam for a little bit.
0: Now I'm looking for this eye of the devil that you're talking about. Where is that located?
1: So on the very south tip of that kind of uh, U-shaped part. Oh. Um, okay. It's um, just on the south part that...
0: Okay, I see it. I see. Does your
2: Google Earth have
0: that? It doesn't show up as I had the devil. It just shows I just I just has a couple photographs that I can click on right around uh, there. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There are a lot of people that were walking along the beach to it. So I guess it's something you as well. But that whole area is kind of cliff like and rocky. Um, Bill and I actually swam to the north part of that harbor. And walked up to see those caves on the north side, and that was beautiful. That was uh, the, kai. <laughs> <laughs> the that, that one. Yeah,
2: that one. Um,
1: <laughs> that is gorgeous. Um, and it was a it was a popular beach. There was a lot of people there. There were quite a few boats that were anchored there. So we probably stayed for about two hours, maybe. Yeah,
2: two or three hours. Yeah. There was a ferry that kept coming to this tiny little dock. And dropping people off picking people up so again i think from a locals standpoint it's a fairly popular area that uh, people like to go to popular but it wasn't crowded in august when we were there
1: yeah i mean it was yeah relatively
2: finding an anchoring spot was simple Mm -hmm. there was plenty of room nice sandy bottom to to set the hook into uh well protected from the meltines i mean teams were blown over the north side of that little bay but uh you know the water was calm in that in that bay Okay. After that, we then headed over to uh, the a little town of Koufonisia, that little port town. Mm-hmm. We ended up because not knowing what to do, I thought, well, if there's room in that that little bay, if you zoom in, there's mm-hmm. a, a little marina there, yep. a little breakwater, and then looks like a concrete. So I thought, if there's room in there, because the winds were still were blowing pretty good, we, I would feel safest and most comfortable with this crew of people if we could just med more in there. So we went in, there was space on the wall, and uh, with this crew that was inexperienced, they, everyone did a phenomenal job, uh, and we backed right in and, and med more there uh, without any incident at all.
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah, let, me ask you, let, let me ask you the details. <laughs> did they have laid moorings, or did you drop your anchor?
2: Well, that interesting thing was the, the slot we got mm-hmm. didn't have the line attached, attached. To I don't know what happened to it. I think I kind of mentioned all the boats that were tied up to it did uh, pick up that mooring, the line that goes from the concrete dock all you know out and then tied off to the bow. Creek. Right.
0: Yeah, what
1: did you call it, Franz?
0: That's a laid mooring. So you laid take mooring. yeah laid yep. mooring. So there's yeah. a mooring out in front of the boat. You're supposed to tie your 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 bow to. Right. You bring yeah. this big it dirty.
1: it was there, but yeah. ours for some reason did not have the connection for him to grab it at the uh,
2: dock. Right. Okay. Whether the I think the line had gotten cut. And they just hadn't repaired it yet. Yeah. Okay. So we dropped the anchor out front and then backed in on it, and um, and and we had the, you know, we had a, a wind that was blowing, uh, I guess, to the boat. It would have been on our starboard uh, aft quarter. Mm-hmm. So as we're backing in, you know, the wind's wanting to push us off the dock and then also to uh, to port. So you know. Unfortunately, yeah.
1: nobody was on our port side when we came in, which was helpful.
2: Right. And then, you know, the catamaran, you got the two engines, so you can walk the boat right. almost any direction you want to. So we just, I just kept walking it starboard, and it it, it was fine. Okay. And then again, we were able to tie up. And that was a lovely town. We got off there and um,
1: explored yeah, that, that little very town. very nice. That reminded me of a uh, a great alternative to anybody wanting to go to Santorini but doesn't want the crowds. Mm-hmm. Um, I had. All the restaurants and shops you can imagine, but on a much smaller scale and a beautiful, beautiful beach. It yeah. was really lovely.
2: It was. Again, well, I, it was another just surprisingly awesome find. Um, you know, not no, not having been there before and not knowing what we were getting ourselves into, it was awesome.
0: Well, I'm and looking. Again, I'm looking. At, I'm looking at the. Um, I'm looking at the harbor right now, and I can see the boats that are anchored in there, that tied up at the dock. That's exactly the, the, the conditions you describe are exactly what's blowing on the day they took this image, because you can see the wind shadow yes. to yeah, the yeah, uh, exactly, to yeah. this port of the boats, right? So you're, t- yeah. you're obviously that must be a fairly common wind condition in this little port. So you can obviously yeah. see yeah. the wind shadows off the boats that are tied up there in this Google yep. Earth yeah, exactly. image. Yeah. Okay. So you uh, you, were, you went out to eat at the restaurant. Which restaurant did you choose, and where was it in town?
1: That was up on the hill. Um, uh, we went to a rooftop restaurant called Mare Infinito. It was actually somewhat of an Italian take on, <laughs> on the Greek food. I actually had sea urchin for the first time. That was my big uh, my big claim there, but. Um, it was a really beautiful uh, location. It was high up. Oh, you could overlook all the harbor and, you know, see the other islands from there. It was really lovely. Um, rooftop. Yeah, rooftop outdoor. And it was quiet. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, why the place was so quiet for August. Maybe local locals taking their own vacation, but um, it was pretty quiet consistently everywhere we were.
2: Yeah, we never made yeah. reservations or had yeah. to worry about that. It never got turned away yeah. at any place we went to.
1: But uh it was it was a really great restaurant. So yeah. I would highly recommend it. <laughs> Mari <Okay>. Infinito. Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. Very nice. You know, and that I, marina, I guess I forgot to mention that marina had full service. Full service. You could do laundry, the showers and bathrooms were clean yeah. and nice. And Recycling,
1: well trash, all of that. What that did, what really did it
2: cost
0: true. you to tie up your boat then? Do you recall?
1: That one was pretty pricey because we were over thirteen meters. It was 40, 45 euros.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that was a little bit more. And if we, had we we because the cutoff was 13 meters. And we, yeah, were 13.
1: we were 13.2, and I'm <laughs> too honest.
2: <laughs> and, and because of that, we went up to the next bracket. And, Lesson learned. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Had we just said 12.9? Uh, yeah, 12 <laughs> or 13 meters. We've been fine, but since we were 13.2,
1: yeah, it was it was close to 40 something. I remember.
2: Yeah, yeah. it was. But again, that was
1: the last place that we actually paid. We didn't yeah. mar, we didn't use marinas after that. So. You know, overall, rounded off seven days of traveling, it was pretty good.
0: Well, when you're splitting it up between four couples, that's insignificant.
1: Oh yeah, and we do all of those um, costs. Obviously, we just kind of put money in the in a kitty, and then we take money out as we need it for those kinds of expenses. So it was not a big deal at all.
2: Yeah. Okay. We don't,
1: we don't like having to discuss that when we're on vacation. (laughs) We just take the money and pay for it. (laughs) Right.
2: Right, Exactly. Um, So the next day, um, we didn't plan to do a long sail. We just wanted to go over to uh, Cato Mm Cufanisi on the south side there. So when we left, we just set the head sail and did a very broad reach down to the island of Keros. And where we kind of, because we got pretty close to it, it's a... essentially an uninhabited island from everything I read uh, about it. We didn't see any evidence of houses.
1: Not on that side. On that
2: side. Um, I've heard things, people went to the uh, south side of that island and said it's actually a great place to anchor if you need to. Um, we didn't. We just went down to it and then jived around and uh, continued a uh, starboard broad reach, or I guess a beam reach, over to Cato Kufanisi Mm-hmm. And then we went into this little bay
1: called Locky. This one,
2: right? What that? The, uh, well, yes, we came around to this area. Okay.
1: so we were at Nero.
2: So I'm trying to think uh, I'm, I'm to see what Google Maps is coming up with. No, so there's you can a see there's
0: a little little sort of horseshoe bay, sort of facing to the southeast yeah. near what's called Cato Cufizanici, and Google Earth is is. And then just to the south of that, you got some spits coming out.
1: Yeah, so if you keep rounding below those spits, uh-huh. yes. there's a, almost like an M-shaped bay. Right. Uh, uh-huh. Deep okay. is a public beach, and we anchored um, closer to that uh, northeast side.
0: Okay, when I clicked on an image on Google Earth, that said Nero Beach. So that's yes, probably what it's Yes,
1: Nero called. Beach.
0: Yes. Right. It's the narrowest part of the island. Oh, yeah, that's where it is. Yeah, you know, when you look at it. So mm-hmm.
2: that's another way from a descriptor standpoint. It's the narrowest part of the island. And interestingly, we saw a couple of boats. We anchored at first, out and away from the beach a little bit. And I just kind of wanted to get a sense of what's the boat doing, what's the bottom like, how's the anchorage here. Um, and as I was doing that, uh, I noticed that there were some boats a little bit closer to some cliffs. So if you're looking at the bay, um, it's kind of on the right. hmm Yep. it's a little bit rockier, it's not beachy, it's rockier. Mm-hmm. And I noticed some people had med moored to land. And so I thought, well, let's go try that. And it just turns out basically that you just, you know, I'm sure you know, you've probably done this a million times. We hadn't yet. Um, you just run with your dinghy aligned to uh, some rock on shore and sling it. And then, you know, same thing, back your boat off of your anchor Uh, up to that slinged line on shore and now you're med moored you got the anchor off the bow holding you and then you got the rock to your stern holding you it worked awesome and it was
1: very solid
2: very solid we did actually a line off of the starboard and the port side um, to two different rocks and uh, have you done that before? Oh, many, many, many times. Yeah, and I do
0: it by okay. myself. I just jump in the water and run it from the boat while it's in reverse. <laughs> yeah, it, so. I yeah. think
1: that's our most favorite way to anchor now.
2: Yeah, we, you know, because it just gives you that a far more solid feeling. And again, being new to the area, not knowing the Meltemis if they kick up or what have you, or in the middle of the night. You know, you, the boat would swing or the anchor drag or whatever. I just felt like that would be the way to go. And as you've experienced many times, it definitely is. Uh, I would do it again in any place that I could.
0: Yeah, I've done a, it. Um, I, I, as a general rule, I try to back into the wind so I have my, the wind blowing on my stern. It's blowing at the stern of the boat. So I don't really have to rely on the anchor that much. So what's, what's holding the boat is going to be those solid rocks that I've tied off to. That's just my preference. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, and and that's uh, that's I fully understand that uh, that reasoning because yeah, it it does give you that far more solid of a feeling. So, um, anyways, it, again, there was there was nothing there either. There was no triverna, no nothing, and uh, we ended up you know making dinner that night on the boat, and but we swam and we snorkeled and uh, went over to the beaches and. It was just a yeah, was great, great, great,
1: great. Yeah, we like those evenings where we don't really feel like we have to get dressed up to go to <laughs> dinner somewhere or cleaned up, I should say. <laughs> we can yeah. just stay on the boat and relax. Yeah. And it was perfectly sheltered. We had, you know, maybe 20 knots of wind throughout the day, but there it was It was perfect.
2: Yeah, you couldn't feel it because yeah. those cliffs that we were tied up to uh, essentially sheltered us from that.
0: Okay. All right. So were the winds out of the north, the northeast, or the northwest that night?
1: They were right out the north. Out
0: of the north, okay, slightly directly. northeast. Okay, northeast. Okay, so it would have been pretty much blowing from your stern then.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, it was. It was. Yeah, just like you said. Yeah, stern too. The wind is is wonderful. Um, so yeah. So again, another great night. The next day, we headed off to the island to the southwester, uh, Skunusia. Skunusia? Skunusia okay and oh. we so went,
1: these sail days were minimal, days. like hour and a half two hours most
2: of most sailing
1: of the and that's when we wanted to sail farther <laughs> you didn't really need to but we we did do some sailing
2: well yeah and again this was you know it was a, a, a trip that we were blending with friends so we thought that you know short days of sailing it's okay because you know exploring the islands is is just as much fun as the sailing part, especially for some of those folks. Yeah. Anyway, so we sailed um, to the west side of uh, Skanusa. The and west the side, And there's a bay okay. in there. Uh-huh, all right. I'm trying to think. Uh, that's That's got a dock, and it, it has some boats if you zoom in on it. I don't, it's not The name's not coming up on my... Sigourney Beach? We
1: didn't go there.
2: We went in and we looked, and there were some super yachts there. It was, it's super well protected. We went right, to yeah.
1: Siguri Beach. Hold
0: on. Oh, I'm sorry. I so know we're we in t- there, we I'm, took a I'm look zooming around, in on we... that. Yeah, that, that big bay with the dock, and there's some boats tied up, moored and Google Earth. And as yes. I recall, I've actually been in there, but I'm not positive. I think I've been into this. Most of this area, I have not really explored this area that much, except for hit and miss, not a whole two weeks like you were doing
2: or a whole week like you were doing. Yeah. Sure. Um, and again, this was from our pre-trip planning. Uh, this was, you know, we picked multiple places where we thought we could go based on winds and weather and what have you. And so this was always a consideration, um, but there were some super yachts in there, and I told people we could go look just to the south of that, there's a little bay that almost looks like it has a like a dot in the center, a little island in the center.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And we would look at that as an anchorage because that was another option. And we went in there, and people thought, "No, let's let's go here instead. This looks much nicer. Much it was quieter. Better.
1: There wasn't as many. Um, there were no super yachts there. Right. There were just some other cats and
2: right. So we went in there, and it, to the north of that little island in the middle uh, were some cliffs that we moored to uh, again.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: And then there's a beach to uh, the east of that. Right, that had a great little
0: Tisagori yeah, Beach, Tiss- and we just, okay, Tisagori Beach, Tissigori. yeah, T-S-I-G-O-U-R-I, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tisagori Beach, or yeah. however you pronounce that. So,
2: okay, great. Yeah. And that it was an, again another great find, it wasn't you know super happening, hopping,
1: it wasn't busy at all.
2: Yeah. Nightlife-y yeah. kind of during the day. It's thing. not
1: a, it's not a loud place. It's just a nice, simple beach bar. And,
2: yeah. And with good food, good drink, yeah. a lot of locals that, you know, just nice and relaxed. And, you know, again, that another great afternoon. experience.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but then we did stay, uh, there, um, we went up to a place called Captain Cook's for dinner. It was up on a hill again, beautiful view of the Harbor. Um, Great food. I mean, we didn't have one bad meal in Greece. We just loved every bit of it. And, uh, yeah, had a great sunset. Um, It was just a really nice, quiet place. And, again, I feel like maybe not so many bear boaters know of these islands because, as I said, when we got back to Paros, everybody talked about Sifnos, Seraphos, Kifnos, and we felt like we, we found the gems
2: Right. It, again, depending on what you're looking for in uh, in this kind of situation, and that restaurant that we ate that night, I don't know if you're looking for us, but it's um, kind of north of that little beach bar, and there's you can see the little zigzag going up the hill.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm zooming in. I, it comes up. Um, George, I, I the image I can see it, but I the image doesn't show up anywhere. Yeah, but I see the uh, the zigzag that goes up the hill there. Yeah. 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 So
2: essentially, that's it. Okay. Um, anyways, again, as Nicole described, it was a, another phenomenal experience. But I thought it was very interesting that night the air was clear enough. We could see... You know, you can see lights kind of reflecting yeah. off the sky of um, Santorini. Santorini. Yeah. So so we got to see Santorini <laughs> <laughs> at night way far away, but, <laughs> but uh, we never went anywhere near it, and uh, didn't miss out don't feel like we missed out <laughs> very much the next morning then we headed over to um we there was a there's a plane a w- old world war ii plane that a fisherman caught um off the west side of araquia
1: yeah it was araquia
2: araquia Ar- sorry
1: araquia yeah
2: however you say that <laughs> um and then apparently that he dragged it into this bay and so the plan was to head over there do some snorkeling check out you know uh, some wreckage and uh, what have you. So this this was our second to last day when we left. We uh, unfurled the headsail and had a nice beam reach, broad reach, uh, heading to the south side of Arachlia. And the Meltemis kicked up while we we're on our way over there. And I don't know if it was the kind of that katabatic wind that came over Arachlia, but A in a very short time of frame, or sorry, frame of time, we in like 10 minutes we went from I don't know around eight to ten knots of wind to close to 30. And so we uh, brought the head sail in and just motored over to that bay.
1: It's Alamia on the east side,
2: okay? No, west side. It's west on side. the west side. It's on the west, west side. side. Sorry. <laughs> if, if you look, at, it's a perfect little notch on the very uh, furthest west element of that island.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, that wouldn't you, wouldn't you be there. on a, Now, that looks to me like you'd be on a lee shore from the Meltimi. Is that right or not? Am I looking at the wrong spot on the west side of Reclia?:
2: Yeah, no, right. You, we were on the lee shore okay. as we're going around the south side of it. Right. And that's why I'm saying I didn't. That's why I, I almost think it was maybe a cataback wind a katabatic wind that we, that was hitting us. Yeah. Cause we, sh- it should not, it should have been a very nice, easy sail around to that, but the, the winds got howling very quickly. So we doused the sail, the head sail and, and fired up the motors. And
0: okay. Now I, I did find an bay. Alamea Bay. Is that the one you're talking about then? Alamea? So Alameda, where, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you go? Did you go between that little island offshore and the um, and the island, or or around that little island that's just around to the southwest of Araclia?
2: Um So yeah, so we came around the south, um, and so before you get to that island, that's west. Mm-hmm. Or I should say northwest of that little bay. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, we came we came in from the south.
0: Okay. So you came you were coming around the uh, east side of the island and coming up here then. Okay.
2: Good yes. Enough. Yep. Yep. And then uh, from there, uh, went in, dropped the anchor and snorkeled over that that airplane wreck, which was described as really cool and somewhat eerie for
1: Yeah, it was people. a little eerie.
2: <laughs> I don't think the pilot died. So yeah, I think it was just it away. was just a, something, you know. Some of the people on our boat were not used to seeing, you know, that kind of wreckage in the water. And, um, and it seems fairly fresh because there's no growth on it like normal, like uh, with other wrecks. You mm-hmm. can see, you know, a lot of deterioration of the metal and all that. Uh, we It was very clear and very distinct.
0: Describe um, the describe the plane. Was it a single seater, uh, like a Cessna, you yeah.
2: know, or was it a... No, yeah, I, I believe it was a World War II um yeah single seater fighter plane okay all right something worth it was, something yeah, we're snorkeling over then yeah and it's just the frame there's no the skin of the plane itself is not there anymore okay all right so, um but yes it was it was very cool and certainly worth a stop for anyone who uh wants to if they find themselves in that area it's worth checking out
1: it was a good sand um
2: Sandholding. Yeah,
1: there were there was one uh, monohull there that looked like they had spent a few days there. So I, I guess it's pretty good shelter for.
2: Yeah, they were med more to uh, some cliffs on the so southeast side hmm. of that bay. Okay. Um, and yeah, it looked like they had been. They were liverboards and had been there for quite a while. Okay. So after stopping there, the plan was then to head over uh back over to uh antiparos. So we ended up um kind of doing that same sail back. Uh however the winds were blowing that same direction. So you know the catamarans don't point very high. No. So uh we you know I attempted to sail but we were essentially heading just pointing too high to to get to where we needed to get to to have sales up. So we had to motor uh, across that that channel um, up to the south side of Paros.
0: Okay. And well, that's okay. I that mean, how 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 were the waves? Were the waves slowing you up quite a bit, or what was the conditions like on the sea?
2: They were. Uh, they were probably six to eight foot, um, and. The winds were, this I think, yeah, twenty-five pushing thirty every once in a while. Um, so it was, uh, we were bouncing around a little bit. It, I will tell you, it, it gave me more confidence in catamarans. I had because you know I've, most of my experience, other than the BVI's, has, has always been on monohulls. So, and you know, growing up on monohulls, you always think, oh, catamarans, like their their hobies are fun, you know, in little lakes and all that. But you know, can of. A, can you have a blue water catamaran? Um, but I was really impressed with this Bali 4.5. Um, it held together uh, very well, it felt very solid. Um, so it was kind of a cool experience because of that, because it gave me more confidence in catamarans. Um, for, you know, I don't know if they could handle a, a Force 10 storm uh, or gale off, off you know, a thousand miles offshore. I know they can because in, in, in lots of reading, you, you hear that people do that. But it was my first experience, and it gave me that confidence. So it was, you know, we just had to motor that distance. So I think it was a, a solid 15 to 20 nautical miles of motoring until we got to the south side of, of Paros. And then we headed over to Antiparos. Um There is um, a spot. Yeah. We anchored. yeah, where we anchored.
1: We anchored um, in that uh, channel between Despotiko mm-hmm, yeah. and the south side
0: of Antiparos. Yep, I've anchored there before too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's um, just so, a big yeah. safe anchorage area there, so that's good. Yeah.
2: It, it is. It was very big, and it was, um, from an anchor standpoint, it's 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 quite large, um, and they have some nice tavernas on shore. Uh, and we were seeing knots of 35 winds and that's the most winds I've ever anchored in. Um, so I took a solid half an hour to make, it. you know, we had enough road out. We really were holding solid, but, you know, before getting off the boat to go eat, you know, it'd be horrible to go eat and then try and find your <laughs> boat. <laughs> yeah. they on the lee shore or, or the windward shore of the, of that other
1: island
2: um anyways but so that was our biggest wind that yeah was, uh, that, yeah we were seeing not, you know 35 knot winds uh pretty steady it, at it anchor evening. yeah
0: it did I, i'm night always night, nervous i'm always nervous to in those sort of winds i'm always nervous to get off my boat and go to shore just because you never yeah, know you know you always worry about whether your ankle will start dragging or not but uh yeah right. So you you checked it out and made sure it was pretty safe. I would have probably asked somebody on the boat. <laughs> okay, if something happens, yeah. give me a call or something. So. I think
1: when we we stayed on for a good hour and a half, some people took the dinghy to shore. We yeah. stayed on, you know, enough to have a couple glasses of wine anyway, so an hour and a half or so. And then we the wind died down quite a bit by the time we got in the dinghy to go to shore, if okay. I remember correctly. It wasn't as bad when we first got there.
2: We weren't seeing thirty-five knot yeah. winds anymore, um, but yeah, I just you know I spent a half an hour. You know, normally when I set an anchor, you know, I give it five ten minutes, you know, with motors in reverse, making sure are we dragging, um, you know, asking you know, did we really did the anchor really hit sand or are we in some weeds or rocks? And uh, this time I spent you know, a lot more time just really watching. The yeah. shore and making sure that we were not dragging it on and watching other boats and.
1: Okay, so maybe I had the glasses of wine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was supporting him. Yeah, <laughs> that that was her support. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome.
1: But we had a great evening there too. We went to shore to Captain Pepino's, Um, and they have uh, they're known for their octopus. Um, so we had tried some of that and some of their other seafood dishes it was It was really cool too yeah. beautiful, beautiful sunset again and uh yeah we had we had a good night there.
2: did you have octopus when you were there? me
0: yeah oh, the only octopus I've ever had is either some somebody's ordered it or I've caught it myself off the bottom.
1: Oh wow! Good for you. Nice. <laughs>
2: what, what kind of bait do you use to catch those? Things?
0: Oh no, I'm just swimming around and I'll see one slithering around. I just go, swim down and grab it.
2: Oh wow! Fantastic.
0: <laughs>
2: I remember that. From I'm the not future. sure
1: what I would do if Bill brought up a live octopus. I'd be like, <laughs> what? What? What do you want? <laughs>
2: Do you want a picture what is it you're looking
0: for? I haven't seen, you know, I swam a lot in the last couple of years. I, ha- I haven't seen any for a few years, but usually I'll see one at least once a summer and I'll go grab it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's always an adventure. But I think they yeah. can prepare much better in the restaurants than I can prepare them. So, hey, we're going yeah, we to be, my do. battery is about dead on my recorder and we've gone on about an hour. Give us a quick summary of the wrap up and we will call it an interview.
2: Fantastic. The next day, we went up to the little town of Antiparos, mm-hmm. um, which is right by that narrow channel between Antiparos and Paros, mm-hmm. and uh, pulled in there, and that's another great little town, uh, another place to anchor for the night if you needed to. Great protection from the male team. He's there as well. Um, Much
1: more populated, of course. A little bit yeah. more
2: populated. Great. It was
1: nice. It was a nice change. for our, That was our last day.
2: Yeah, that was our last day. Um, and then from there... Uh, we went back through that same channel again, no issues. Back up to uh, the harbor of Paros, or whatever that town is.
0: Yep, Paros town. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Paros
2: town. And uh, pulled in without incident. And Nicole, like Nicole had said, she we talked to some people there who had done the route we were going to do and ran into thirty thirty-five knot winds daily for their own entire trip, and they said they were really beat up from that. So based on all of that. Um,
1: yeah, we felt pretty good about
2: her. That little, the the small Kiklades on the south side of Naxos is for people who just want to enjoy the, the local culture, really good food, cool little places, and really because, relatively yeah. protected from the Maltimis. It was a great place. Absolutely a great place. Well, that's great.
1: I think the only other thing um, to note is when you do a Greek charter, we did have to come in the night before. They wanted us in the port the night before our charter ended the day after, so that kind of shortens your charter. Um, so just something to keep in mind when you're doing a week-long charter, you're actually only getting five, five full days, days of sailing. Okay, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, that's that's interesting. at least with the charter company we used. That's yeah. how it was. Yeah.
0: Now, I have sailed those islands, like, one time, and I didn't explore them anywhere to the extent you have. So I'm really great grateful for this interview because this is giving a lot more information out there to me, uh, giving me a place to go back to that I really haven't explored that much. And uh, to our listeners that are always doing the uh, – probably always looking for the standard, you know, Sifnos, yeah. Seraphos, Kios, Mykonos, Sanctuary. Yeah, Santorini I highly route. recommend them. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I... I, yeah, I, We
1: would go back again, yeah, you know, I, again I and again, close.
2: yeah. I think we'd go back at maybe in October because we heard that the water's the warmest in that area um, at that time, and the Melitimis are far less of an issue. I think I would... You know, if it's your first time chartering, I would consider the Ionian Sea um, that time of year just because they don't deal with the Melitimis new to the extent that you do there.
1: But I have to say, all in all... Um, the two of us will definitely be going back to Greece time and time again, whether it's on a charter boat or on our own boat in the future, because the people, the culture, the food, everything was fantastic. And I'm sure that's why you stay in that area <laughs> as well. Um, we just thoroughly enjoyed it.
2: Yeah. I'd never been to Greece. I've always heard good things about it. And this surpassed you know, my expectations by far. Awesome place.
0: Well, thank you Bill and Nicole. If you have any images you want me to post with the show notes or anything else, uh, send them to me. And oh, we will. If not, thank you so much. Is there anything you quickly want to add that we haven't covered here?
1: No, I think we did uh cover everything. Yeah. And thanks so much for asking.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. We hit the highlights and I think that yeah, that's all good and yes, thank you uh for uh for the chit chat.
1: And we enjoy your podcast. I yes. listen to it all the time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> thanks, thank thanks you so for those two. <laughs> okay. You
0: guys take care. You too.
2: Bye-bye. All right, bronze. Bye-bye.
0: One last thing before we go. If you want to support this podcast, there's two ways to do it. You can become a Patreon, which I appreciate, which would be at patreon.com backslash And the second way is to educate yourself by buying some of my audio lessons for preparing for the ASA 101, the 103, or the 104. And those links are at the website, which is MedSailor.com. Thanks for listening, and if you have friends that would enjoy this podcast, share it with them. Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing. Joe, you have something to tell me?
2: No. I don't think so. I just got off the telephone with Bill Rutherford. Princeton can use a guy like Joel. What? Princeton can use a guy like Joel. His exact words. That's unbelievable. You're as good as in. I knew you could do it. Haven't I been telling you, every once in a while, you just gotta say, what the heck? Take some chances. You are so right. You've made me very proud. I was just thinking, where we might be 10 years from now, you know?